Welcome to the Pro Photographer Journey Podcast, your resource for building the photography business of your dreams. This is Shamira Young, bringing you tips, business strategies, and interviews with award-winning photographers. We're all in this together. Let's get to the good stuff. Hey, everybody. I'm here with Misha Wynn from Lavishly Lux. Now, Misha is a wedding photographer based in Texas, and her work is awesome. Misha, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited. You <laughs> Thank know, you for having me. And just to give our listeners a bit of backstory. So Misha reached out to me um, wanting to be on the show and I get a number of requests, pretty much a steady stream at this point. And not everyone makes the cut. But Misha, when I saw your work, I was excited. I mean, your work is outstanding and I cannot wait to have you on the show. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I love what I do. I love wedding photography. And I just love showing emotion in my images. And that absolutely comes through. It's, it's, it's your work is just, it's beautiful. And before we get into the nuts and bolts of your business, I always like to kick off our interviews by asking my favorite first question. Can you give us an overview of, of yourself, your background, how you ended up doing what you're doing today? Oh, that's a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) My background is in architecture. So I went to school for architecture. And I was working, sitting at my desk working, and I I just decided that I wanted to uh, start a business, but I wanted it to be fun. I wanted it to be meaningful. I wanted it to be something that I really actually enjoyed doing. And so uh, because my background is in architecture, I really enjoyed everything that's art related. So from poetry, drawing, dance, and I just decided to start photography. And so once I start something and I'm passionate about it, I go at it 100%. And that's what I did. I originally started off as a wedding photographer and it's been great. Um, I also have two kids. I have twin boys and they are obviously a big part of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 17 now. So they are um, close to leaving me, but, um, but they're part of my life. Wow. I'm originally from the Dallas area. Um, I love it here. So I, I plan on staying here. Fantastic. Very cool. Very cool. Two twin boys. That's got to be a handful in a fun way, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's twin magic, by the, by the way. They they can kind of look at each other and tell what they're thinking. That, so that is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so cool. That is so cool. What year did you start your business in? I originally started in 2008. Oh. And I stopped a few years after that when my mom got sick. And so I started back up about five years ago. I you know, came back with a, I'd say, more balanced business and a more balanced life. So, Ooh, 2000, so 2008. Now, that was that's an interesting year to start a business. Thinking back, I was getting laid off from my full time job in 2008. I feel like everybody has a story because the economy was crashing. That yeah, year. it was hard. <laughs> it was it, it, it was horrible yeah it, and I actually was laid off in 2009 mm. and so because that started in 2008 that did help some it was it was still very difficult um but it, it did help carry me until um the market rehab came back around mm-hmm. okay so you know this leads me to my next question then as you got your business up and running, and I ask this question because 
for so many of our listeners, having these amazing, awesome guests on the show, it can be kind of difficult to imagine that you ever struggled. Um, I encourage our listeners to check out Misha's website at lavishlylux.com. And I will include a link to her site in the show notes. But just looking at your portfolio, at your experience, it looks like you've never struggled. So that's why I want to ask you specifically about your struggles, because people need to remember that we're all in this together. We're all human and we all do struggle. And through those struggles with our businesses, we learn. So can you think back to what you struggled with and learned as you got your business up and running way back when? That's a good question. You know, I had an idea. I had a great idea. And I figured that I would just go with it and run with it. Um, looking back at it now, I think that I should have had a little bit more. Uh, I, I should have done a little bit more planning. You know, as as a mom at the time, my boys were were six, um, so they were little. They were running around. I believe they were in kindergarten, kindergarten or first grade, um, and I got a, really overwhelmed. So um, that was, I would say, one of my biggest struggles. I was not realizing that I really needed to have that balance between work and in life and work and in home. And so that was a really big struggle. And I do have some regrets there. So that's why when I came back around, I was able to build a more balanced business. And so it's been helpful. It's been completely different. I've had a different experience that I had before. Also, I, I would say that I'm more willing now to reach out, um, ask for help, ask questions, and just realize that no one's perfect. No one's business is perfect. No one's life is perfect. So I'm willing to ask for help now. I'm willing to um, ask those questions that I really need and not be embarrassed to ask those questions. But I'd say the biggest struggle that I had was balancing my home life with work and my business. Hmm. Okay. So, and, and by the way, I think that's something that many of us struggled with. I mean, the whole reason I've mentioned this before on the show, the whole reason I started this podcast was because Number one, I didn't have balance. I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> with my own photography business, undercharging, stressed out, spending way too long editing the whole the whole thing, the whole bit. And and number two, I wanted to ask questions from other photographers that were way better than I was. And this was back in 2013 when I started. And, and there's nothing wrong with asking questions. That's, that's how we learn and how we help each other. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I hate to really bring this up. But, you know, when I think about it, this just really makes me laugh is the one thing that makes me really laugh is the the whole Popeye's and Chick-fil-A battle. <laughs> and so it, it reminds me of when I first started, you know, of course, everyone's saying the Chick-fil-A, the, the Popeye's chicken sandwich is the most amazing, but it really doesn't matter if you can't get one or if they don't have it or if they're sold out, <laughs> you know, and they, they didn't plan for their growth. And so in 2008, that's, that's how I felt. I felt mm-hmm. like I was, I was good at what I was doing, but I didn't plan for the growth that came. And so I was overwhelmed and I didn't, and know how to balance it all. <laughs> so, you know, when you look at Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A has a great consistent product. Um, mm-hmm. They have values and they stand on those values. They're not open on Sundays and they are still profiting and they're still making tons of money. And so I feel that, that a Chick-fil-A type of business is a little bit more balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, they have the values that they stick to and they're still successful. This is a really interesting point. And I want to dig into it a little more about balance. Um, because it's huge and you're right. That can absolutely make or break a business. I know with me, 
when I had no balance at the worst, I was literally having panic attacks late at night because it felt like my business was just taking over my life. And, and I, and I was miserable. I didn't draw boundaries with clients. I had clients calling me at 11, 1130 at night. And I let that happen. And, and they do take cues from you on stuff like that. And so for you, when you say that you balanced your business a little more, what specifically did you do? You know, I try to make sure that I don't work every weekend. Mm. I'm not going to work every weekend. You know, I'm going to have some weekends that are just geared towards family. And so what I will do is on a weekend that I am working, I may load that weekend up with appointments. And that's the weekend that I work. The next weekend I'm home. We're, uh, we're going to the movies. We're going out to eat. We're going to breakfast. Uh, we're doing something that's um, focused on family and, you know, other things outside of business. Um, I also limit the amount of people that I give my cell phone to. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I do have a bit, I do have a different business line. And so um, they can call, they can text, they can leave a message, but it, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm not answering the business line. <laughs> and my personal, my personal phone is just for, you know, personal, uh, you know, family and friends. Um, the other thing is, you know, once when I first started in 2008, you know, I did give a lot of discounts to be able to book, uh, book weddings. Mm-hmm. And, and I know I think there's nothing wrong with that, but then they would tell their friends and their friends wanted that same discount. And right. yep. so I got to this, this, this cycle of, you know, just giving discounts and I felt like I was just booking, but I wasn't really charging what I really wanted to and what I felt that I deserved. So I have a different method of, um, you know, offering specials when those specials end. And, and so that's, that's something that's changed as well. You know, and I also communicate. Um, when I meet couples, I talk about my family. I talk about m- my family history, my family struggles, and um, I make sure that they understand that uh, my family comes first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's and that, helped. That's, and that, that leads me to my next question about, about the psychology behind wedding photography, because I firmly believe it's more than just showing up the day of the wedding, taking a few photos. It's way more. It's emotional. You have to have an emotional connection with the couple. Back in the day, I used to do weddings. I don't anymore because it was giving me gray hairs. And (laughs) I I would also say that I was making a lot of, it was some of the best money and photos I'd taken, but I was making a lot of mistakes with work-life balance and just handling all of that. Now, if I were to do it again, I think it would be much better this time around, but I realize I have a choice. I don't have to. But going into it, there were so many steps involved and and even just the psychology of connecting with the couple and capturing the images, immortalizing that day for them. There's a lot more that goes into it that many people may think. And one of my pet peeves is that wedding photography is one of the most, I believe, complicated and it can be one of the most involved gigs that a photographer can have and yet it's one of the most underestimated by people who have never done it before or you hear a million times where a family member will ask a friend oh can you just show up and take some free photos of my wedding and the person is like sure and they show up and they're just overwhelmed because there's so much that goes into it and yeah I mean I've been at I've been at weddings where 
I'm not the photographer and I'm just moonlighting as a normal person. And I'm watching the photographer. I've seen photographers run out of memory cards. They didn't have the right mm-hmm. lenses. They didn't know where they were supposed to be. There was no connection with the couple at all. You could just tell like they were not meshing. And so I guess that's a really long winded way for me to ask my next, que- my next question. Can you talk about the psychology that goes behind planning a wedding with a couple and connecting with them and then pulling off that event? Oh, that's a great question. So I think the first thing, in my opinion, is uh, to realize that it's it's for me to realize that it's not about me. Mm. This day is not about me. Of course, I want to capture beautiful images and images that might win an award, but it's not about me. You know, it's, it's not about uh, that at all. It's about the couple. It's about their special moment. Um, it's about uh, making sure that they have a day to remember and images to remember. So when I go in, I don't want to be extremely pushy. You know, I don't want to make anyone mad. I don't want to start an argument with anyone. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard of that. I've heard of photographers being really pushy because they want to get that great image. They want to get that perfect image. And I think most important, I think it's the most important thing is capturing the moment, not the image that I want to capture, but the moment that's authentically there. So I think that's the biggest part of, of, the whole psychology behind being a wedding photographer. And the other thing is connecting. I don't want to be really be an outsider. Um, of, of course, I'm, I'm an outsider. I'm not part of the family, but I want to be helpful. I want to lend a hand. If something needs to be done, I do want to step up and be there. I want to laugh with the family as, as they're getting dressed. Um, so I don't want to just be the stranger in the corner. <laughs> um, involved. And uh, so I try to make a point to, talk to all the vendors and, and talk to everyone, even if it's, you know, giving a compliment to uh, the mother or the mother-in-law or reassuring someone that that everything's going to turn out okay. Uh, so those are things that are really important to me that really help me move, move along the wedding day, you know, because it's, it's, it's stressful. I think most weddings behind the scenes are stressful. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to add any stress. I don't want to make anyone feel more stressed. Um, so if that means, you know, playing with the kids or, you know, something that I, I can do that. <laughs> so I did, I did have this one wedding where the flower girl was just crying and just going crazy. And I picked her up and she stopped crying. And so I had to hold her for a while while I was shooting <laughs> uh, just because she was just causing so much, a little bit more stress in the room. <laughs> but well, this was this I, like a three-year-old, two-year-old little flower girl. Yeah, she was three. <laughs> Sometimes it's about coming in, lending a hand, just to make sure that that day is successful. Mm-hmm. And remembering that it's not my day. <laughs> it's not my wedding. You know, you just hit on so many great points because I think this could take people a while to figure out. So you mentioned that it's not about you, the photographer, which is huge because so many of us do come into the day where we're, we might be pushy. We're focused on getting that award-winning photo, regardless of, of what the family may want, what their wishes are. And yeah. and you mentioned you've heard stories of photographers coming in and somewhat ruining the day. I've I've had I've heard horror stories as well. It's never happened to me, but I've heard where the photographer has gotten into an argument with the mother-in-law, and then everyone's pissed off, and then how are you going to take good photos when everyone's pissed? You know, like it just it can ruin right. the vibe of the day. You mentioned emotionally connecting. Um, with the family and you're right that is huge the more emotionally connected you are the less stressed they are 
and laughing with them and not being that stranger in the corner or the creeper in the corner, as I like to call it, you know, that, that goes a long way when you're more of a, a friend, you know, documenting mm-hmm. the day. It just makes it go so much more smoothly. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually more of an introvert. So, you know, I have things that I'll say at every wedding. <laughs> of course, I don't know them. You know, so, so again, like I said, I'll compliment the mother and say, I love your hair. I love your dress. Your dress looks great on you. You know, everything's going to work out. You, you know, there are certain things that I say just because I'm more of an introvert than, mm-hmm. you know, thing. Um, but those little things help. Uh, it does. Definitely Join the club, the introvert club, right? It's, you know, back in the day, it's, and maybe this is normal for wedding photographers now, I'd show up to the wedding rehearsal and the family didn't mind. You know, I'd need to scout out the location anyway, um, which I usually would have done way before the wedding rehearsal. So you end up there multiple times checking out the location. But the day before the wedding rehearsal thing, you know, I'd show up and it gives you a chance to meet the family. And then they know who you are the day of the wedding and they're that much more comfortable with you. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So it does. It does make it easier, much easier. Yeah. And, you know, another thing is I won't take a side when the family's arguing. I won't chime in. (laughs) (laughs) Smart. For them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned earlier, not every wedding um, or one of us mentioned, I think, or it's in the back of my mind because it's so true. Not every wedding goes according to plan. There's always something that happens, whether the flower girl has a breakdown or one of my weddings, when it was time to take the family photos, one of the prime people, um, groomsmen was in the bathroom sick. And like we, it was, we were trying to get him in the photo, you know, his face was green. There's always something, always something. So, you know, we always have to be prepared for that something to happen and you have to handle it professionally and and with grace no matter what it is yeah and and in that case um you know i'm sure they'll look at their pictures and and remember and probably laugh and and think back but as a photographer you're thinking oh my image is ruined (laughs) and so that you have to go back to a place where it's not really about you it's about capturing their moment Mm -hmm. you know capturing their wedding as it as it happens as it naturally unfolds so yeah, I just think as photographers, we are caught up with capturing that perfect image. And so with the weddings, I think that's an unrealistic expectation. Mm, very true. Now, on your website, you mentioned that you're inspired by the expression of true love, unscripted and unposed in your images. Mm-hmm. And I love that line because it absolutely reflects the beauty and grace of your portfolio. Now, I am curious Do you have tips for photographers who are listening as far as how they can develop their own style that will attract their ideal clients? Because there's so many images out there and it's easy to just copy what everyone else is doing. But how do we develop our own style? Well, you know what I did, which was, you know, the second time around, I, I went and I studied and I looked, I looked, I pulled images that captured my attention, that I loved images. I captured images that I would love to capture. And I made a list mm-hmm. similar to a Pinterest board. And I wrote down words that describe those images. And so I used those words to uh, define the style that I was going for and that I was, I was hoping to portray. And so I would use those same images in my description 
you know, and my business write up and make sure that I, I tried to stay true to those to those words, um, to capturing that feeling, that um, that emotion, that the same feeling that I got when I looked at my inspiration images. And so as I started to develop that, um, you know, I started to venture away from the typical wedding advertising because I think it can be very costly. I think it can be really overwhelming. Um, and that's, there's nothing negative about, you know, not to say anything negative about wedding magazines or, or wedding uh, websites, but I think there's, you know, 5,000 photographers, <laughs> you know, out there and it's, how can someone choose one from, from there? So, you know, I started to look at those words and I started to develop the ideal person that would actually love those same images that I love. You know, and so I kind of created this ideal, this ideal person and I, I figured out where they would shop, where they would go, where they're most likely to spend a weekend, you know, whether it's at brunch or whether it's at, you know, fall festival, you know, whether it's, you know, that sort of thing. And so I went to places that I felt that my target audience would go. So if I offered a discount or if I offered a giveaway, it would be at a store that my target audience would most likely shop. And so that's been really helpful. And so when I go to, when I volunteer at events, when I host a vendor table at an event, it's at a place that I felt my target audience would actually be. I and it. and because it's close to me, those are those are things that I would actually go to as well. So so I don't feel like I'm doing something that's not authentic. I'm going to an event that I would actually enjoy going to. Mm-hmm. And I'm advertising my business as a sponsor or hosting a vendor table or, you know, providing photography for the event. So um, for me, it's become something that's a little bit more authentic than this forced advertisement, uh, advertising in places that, that that's hard for me to fit into. You know, that's, that's huge for our listeners. Please be taking notes. I already have like half a page of notes because this, this is so valuable and it's so different from the steps that many people take without thinking, using myself as an example, because I've made every mistake in the book where we start taking photos because people, you know, family, friends are like, oh, your photos are great. You should start a business. All right, start a business. And it's so easy to fall into that trap of just taking advertising opportunities be, without thinking about it but just mm-hmm. to do it because everyone else is doing it and not taking the time to really nail down what makes our images different and what, what authentic values that, that we have. And so just to outline those steps, because I love giving our listeners practical steps and you just described it wonderfully. You said that you collected images that, that inspired you and correct me if I'm wrong, if I mess any of this up, but you looked at images that inspired you and then you started writing down words, extracting words, descriptive words from those images. And then you incorporated that into the copy, the text on your website and the images that you were creating. And you also, from those words, created an an avatar, an ideal person that would be your perfect client. And then you even took it a step further and put thought into where they would be, where they would shop, where they would hang out. And that's where you directed your your focus as far as as offering um, specials or really recruiting clients. Did I get that right? Yes. And for an example, uh, 
for me, my words are a few of my words are bold, unique, fluid and soulful. And those are a few of my words. Mm. And as I looked deeper into that, um, I started to realize those words represent, you know, one of my favorite musical artists. And that's something that you could, you could do. You could pull a musical artist or um, something that you love and start to develop um, your uh, your brand based on that. And so I love Maxwell. And I realized Maxwell really is you know, he's all those words. <laughs> yes, all he that. is. <laughs> and so, um, Maxwell, if you're listening, <laughs> when I listen to his his music and I look at his videos, it represents that. I'm looking at his videos, saying, "Wow, like I would love to create something like that." You know, and so that that speaks to me. So, so when I created my avatar, as you said, uh, you know, my avatar is someone who would love Maxwell, who would go to a Maxwell concert. You know, so, mm-hmm. you know, if I were to do a giveaway, a cool giveaway would be like one of Maxwell's next, you know, maybe his next CD or maybe I have, um, you know, a couple that goes to the concert with me. I, maybe that's a giveaway or something. Um, and so I create who who would actually follow Maxwell. And for me, uh, my audience is, is not really young. They're more, I'd say, probably in their 30s They're not necessarily in their 20s. Okay. And so um, someone who would follow Maxwell is probably more so in their 30s or 40s. Um, most likely they would go to brunch. They would shop at a certain shop. They would, you know, attend a certain poetry event or maybe a jazz concert. When I look at what type of events I want to partner with, I'll I'll partner with events that are within that realm. And I tend to find couples who are at those events who actually love my work because we have something in common. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. that's very cool where were you like 10 years ago when <laughs> I was struggling with my wedding business if I had had this conversation with someone like you over 10 years ago I might still be in wedding photography today because I mean your tips are so on point and they're so gonna they're gonna help so many photographers listening and I love how specific you are getting I mean with Maxwell you know Maxwell concerts like that's that's really, really cool. And it shows that you've given it a lot of thought, a lot of thought. Yeah. And so going back to, um, you know, when I started my business, I, I, I didn't have a the same level of focus. Now, mm-hmm. because I realized my family matters, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of money to waste on trying to figure out what will work and what won't work. So I put a lot more strategic planning into mm-hmm. building of my business and building a balanced business and making sure that I understand who exactly I'm advertising to and who I'm targeting. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you know, the next thing I do want to touch on, and I think this is a very important aspect of pulling off the day itself. I want to talk about the importance of having a second shooter because <laughs> I think, I think it's huge. I've shared my story on the show. The first wedding I ever did, I woke up that morning, case of the full flu, full blown case of the flu. And yeah. I had a second shooter and we, I mean, you know, as you know, it's months and months of planning going into a wedding. They put down their deposit like six months ago. There's no way you're just going to be like, Hey, you know, give the bride a call. I just can't show up today. So, yeah. so no, you know, I showed up, we knocked it out of the park, but I know, and I don't think anyone realized how sick I was that day. And I, it, they, I didn't want them to, it, like you said, it's about them. It's not about me, but I do know that if I didn't have a second shooter that day, I don't know if I would have pulled off that wedding. And so can you yeah. kind of describe why a second shooter is so important? Well, because there's a thing called the unknown. So mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, 
you're not expecting it. You're not looking for it to happen or, you know, something you get into a car accident, kids get sick or something. Um, that's it's something that you can't, you know, predict life. And so having someone reliable um, as a second shooter is very important. I don't really like to use just second shooters just one time and, you know, just a different different second shooter every every time I shoot. I like to use the same shooters uh, so that they understand me. I understand them. They know what the end goal is. They know what type of images that I would actually capture so that if something did happen, they could easily step in. You know, and I'm not working with someone who has no clue <laughs> mm-hmm. of what to do or no clue of what my expectations are. So second shoes are really important. You also can't predict your equipment. You can't predict when something's going to happen or something breaks or. Um, and so it's really nice to have that other person that can kind of step in and take over when, while you're trying to figure out what happened to your lens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, it's it's very, very important. It's very important to have someone reliable and someone who's in tune with you and who understands what the goal is. Can you, is there a story that might come to mind where, so, I don't know, something happened and it was really, really um, important uh, for you having a second shooter that particular day? Yeah. I will say, uh, I remember this was when I first started it may have been like 2009 or so. I think it may have been my, maybe my third wedding. And um, I had a second shooter and, you know, a little switch on your lens that switches from uh, <laughs> autofocus to manual. Uh-huh. Well, I couldn't why my why I couldn't I couldn't focus. <laughs> <laughs> and I freaked out and I was just so panicked. And I did have someone else there to, <laughs> to help out while I figured out what was going on. Uh, so and so another case where um my my camera the uh mirror was stuck in the up position and i couldn't figure out what was happening what was going on um and that was something that just wasn't my fault it was just something that happened Mm -hmm. so i needed someone to take over while i went to go you know get my bag to get my other camera out (laughs) so (laughs) so it's really nice luckily i haven't had a situation where i was actually sick or had the flu, mm-hmm. but it's very important. And I also had, I had a situation where my kids were, I had something personal going on with my kids and my other, my, she was actually my assistant. She stayed on the phone with my kids to make sure everything was fine during the wedding. Wow. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so it's very helpful. I, I really don't like to shoot weddings without a second photographer. Mm. Unless it's something small, like an elopement, but I prefer having else there. Did you say an elopement? Yes. You shoot when people elope? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> this was so fun. This was the best weddings. <laughs> you know, I, I really hadn't even thought of that. That's interesting. Okay. Because everyone yeah, has a different story. Every couple. Yeah, family, small family and the couple and that's it. How cool is that? How cool is that? And you know, don't feel bad about the with the lens where you flip that little switch. I've done it too. It's been years, but you know, where you don't realize it. For me, you know, I somehow flipped it over to manual focus and didn't realize it. And in the heat of the moment at the event, just you're flipping out. Like, why is this lens not working? So, yeah, yeah I've been there. <laughs> so scary. It is. It is. You pay all this money for equipment and then it stops working. You it, yeah. you perceive it stops working the moment you need it. 
It's even worse when it's your fault. Why it's <laughs> right. Very cool. And so we're coming to the end of this interview, which which makes me sad because <laughs> I say that a lot on the show. I feel like we could we could probably go on for hours. I mean, your tips are so practical and they're so down to earth. And I love hearing your stories, too, of stuff that's happened to you. That's very cool. Um, but I do want to make sure and ask, is there a particular photography resource that you would recommend to our listeners that would help their business? Um, well, you know what I would say for me, um, because I'm usually on the run, it's easy for me to, to listen to tips. Mm. Um, I use YouTube a lot. So I can I can listen. I don't necessarily have to watch. I can listen to different tips and I can get a lot of different perspectives. I mean, you can type in how to set up, you know, lighting or use off camera flash. And then there's thousands of videos and you can listen to several of those and look at and see different perspectives and figure out what works for you. So for, for me, YouTube is, has been very, very helpful above any book or uh, tool that I've ever used. Mm-hmm. I like to hear the different opinions. And so that helps me form my own opinion. You know, I also research equipment using YouTube. Um, so for, for me, it's YouTube. <laughs> Fantastic. Easy access, free in a lot of cases, in many cases anyway. Very cool. Very cool. I encourage our listeners to to head over to YouTube. I mean, never underestimate the power of education that you can listen to. And YouTube is an excellent, excellent spot for that. For sure. And, you know, my final question, but definitely one of the most important, and I mentioned your website earlier, but I do want to make sure we we reinforce that. Um, Tell Mm -hmm. us where our listeners can find you online. Well, my website is uh, lavishlylux.com. You can also find me on Instagram at lavishlyluxstudio and Facebook and Twitter um, at lavishlylux. Excellent. Perfect. And I'll make sure to include those in the show notes as well. And Misha, thank you again. This has been very, very cool. I I really appreciate you just sharing your expertise with us. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on the show. It means the world to me. And good luck with your podcast. You're doing a great job. Thank you. I appreciate that. If you're enjoying this podcast, I ask that you please leave a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening. The more reviews we get, the easier it is for people to find this podcast and search rankings. We want to reach as many people as possible and help improve our photo industry. I appreciate you all. Thanks for listening.